It's going to have to be a wee word, I'm afraid, this morning. Uh, we uh, are uh, limited by uh, time uh, with uh, the regulations as well. And for me, the high points of this morning will be for our ordained minister to take the Lord's Supper. So my text for you, Howell, and for us as a congregation this morning is from the chapter that was read out, particularly verse 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 2. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is your job description, Howell. This is written by the greatest minister of all, the Apostle Paul. And Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. And Corinth was in many ways like the towns and the cities that we are living in today. Cosmopolitan. And a lot of the people did not have any background uh, in the Bible. And there was a great deal of a morality. And yet, Paul says, and he uses a very strong term, I've made this my conscious decision, he says. That's what determined means. That I'm not going to preach anything else but one subject. Now, Paul was a very able man. Uh, Corinth, like other Greek cities, had plenty of philosophers. So Paul could have gone to Corinth and taken the philosophers on, on their own grounds, and he could have won. I'm sure, just as today, politics would have been a hot potato subject in Corinth. And psychology as well. But Paul says... Even though I've got the ability to deal with any of those subjects, as I think you have, Howell, you've been gifted with intellect. Yet Paul made this conscious decision, I'm not going to talk about them. I'm going to talk about one thing. And Howell, you've already hinted at that in your testimony. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Christ. Why? We need pharmacists. We need doctors. We need politicians. We need philosophers. We need psychologists. But more than that, we need Jesus Christ. Because it's not just our bodies and minds that need treatments. It's our souls. The soul, this spirit part of us. The body one day will die. We've had so many funerals here during lockdown. But the soul goes on forever. And our souls are polluted by this spiritual disease called sin. 
and no amount of medicine, no skill of the doctors can deal with the disease of sin. Only Jesus Christ. Howell, you are being called to lift up Jesus Christ. I don't know if you are of an age that remembers Faulty Towers. Do you, do you remember that? There's a character in that. The waiter, Manuel. And Manuel uh, was Spanish. And his phrase uh, in one of the series was, I know nothing. I, I know nothing. Howell, when you are going to be standing in the pulpit, that's what you must say to yourself. I know nothing about all these other areas. I'm blinkered to preach one subject, Jesus Christ. We've heard, haven't we, in the Confession of Faith, I asked Howell who Jesus Christ is. I don't need to spend time on this, but he is God I can never get over that, that the eternal Son of God became one of us. When you lie awake at night, especially on these hot, sticky nights, and you can't get to sleep, try and fathom that, the God-man, that God became one of us. And he did it so that our souls could be saved from sin. Uh, This is how Wesley puts it. Wesley was a great preacher, wasn't he, in the 18th century. He must have traveled thousands and thousands and thousands of miles by horseback. And his brother Charles, who was also a preacher, but he also wrote hymns, put it like this. This is for you, Howell. This is for me. Jesus, the name, high over all, in hell or earth or sky, angels and men before it fall, and devils fear and fly and Paul says I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ but he goes on to say something else doesn't he it's not just Jesus Christ but and him crucified now why is that what is that referring to incidentally I need to say and I don't need to say this to Howell because he knows it well when Paul says I'm only going to preach on Jesus Christ he does not mean that every sermon he's just preaching on the person of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that. You've been excellent, Howell, uh, in your preaching and your Bible studies. Wherever you've been in the Bible, you have brought us to Jesus Christ. That's what it means. All of this word is leading us to the word, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. But Paul here says, it's Jesus Christ crucified, especially. Why? Why? I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. What hope is there in Jesus Christ, the God-man in his glory? In one sense, he condemns us, doesn't he? Because we can never be as perfect as him. But Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, 
That gives me hope. That gives you hope. Because on the cross, Jesus Christ is taking upon himself your sins and mine. I'm putting in plain language here what we had in theological language in our confession of faith. Our sins are reckoned to. It's a legal term. It's a term of transaction. Our sins are put into Jesus' account, even though he never committed sin. And he takes the punishment. And Jesus' perfect righteousness is put into our accounts. That's why Wesley, in his hymn, goes on to say, this is what you're about, Howell. His only righteousness I show. His saving truth proclaim. Tis all my business here below to cry, behold, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, the spotless one that is sacrificed to take away the sin of those who will believe on him. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it like this. He said, the cross is the pulpit of God's love. How do I know if God loves a sinner condemned, unclean like me? Ah, listen to Octavius Winslow. The cross of Jesus displays the most awesome exhibition of God's hatred of sin and at the same time the most august manifestation of his readiness to pardon it. Pardon, full and free, is written out in every drop of blood that is seen, is proclaimed in every groan that is heard. Oh, blessed door, open and never shut. How glorious, how free, how accessible. Here, the sinful, the vile, the guilty, the unworthy, the poor, the penniless may come. All are welcome here. The death of Jesus is the opening and the emptying of the full heart of God. What more could he have done than this? It doesn't matter whether you're in Mysakumar or whether you're here in Cardiff. We're all in that condition by nature. And you have the amazing privilege to tell them that God loves people like you and me and has provided in Jesus Christ a way, a way into heaven. I don't know of any job that has that in its job description. Happy, Wesley goes on to say, if with my latest breath, I don't know how long God will have for you, Howell, in the ministry, but happy if with my latest breath I may but gasp his name, preach him to all, and cry in death, behold, behold the Lamb. We had a minister here, Baskarau, he died a few years ago. That, that was Baskar all his life pointing to Jesus Christ. And when he came to die from that lung disease, he was literally gasping the name of Jesus Christ. What a privilege. What a privilege. Very quickly, that's the subject. But Paul goes on to say something else, and this is important. Not just the message, but the manner, how it comes across. That, that's important. 
For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then he says in verse 3, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Well, dear me, if he's got such a glorious theme, why is he like a wimp? Weakness, fear, and trembling. Paul didn't just preach a crucified Christ. He preached Christ in a crucified way. What do we mean by that? What do we mean by that? Howell, when you were a pharmacist, you were detached, weren't you, from the drugs that you were administered. Am I right in saying that? Paul and you, Howell, now, and every preacher is not a professional in that sense. We are preaching what we have first experienced. So it's like you uh, being a pharmacist and maybe you were going around with a particular uh, medicine and it wasn't just that you were administering that medicine, but you were taking that medicine yourself. Now there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between somebody who's just doing it in a professional way and somebody who has actually experienced themselves the healing and they just want to tell others about it. That, that's what Paul was doing. And in a sense, style didn't matter to Paul. He even says, I've done away with the persuasive words of human wisdom. Uh, that means he's thrown away techniques of oratory. He could have done that. He could have been a great, eloquent preacher. But he's not interested in that. All he wants is for the reality of what he has experienced in believing in Jesus Christ and in being forgiven and in knowing the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ, for that reality to be communicated to others. But more than that, I have to be careful how I say this, Howell, but I have to say it. Paul himself was empty. Paul was empty. D.L. Moody said, if you want to fill a cup with water, you've got to empty the cup first, and then you can fill it. Then you can fill it. Paul had been emptied. If you read other parts of Corinthians, he says all the terrible things that were happening to him. God was emptying him, emptying him of dependence on himself so that in his weakness he could be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Howell, no Bible college, no book can teach you that. I think it was a minister friend in Pembrokeshire who said to you, no amount of studying can teach you how to weep. That, that's, that's what we all need to learn, to weep, weep, weep for lost souls. You know, the words we were reading out in that confession of faith, they were pretty serious, weren't they? That without Christ, we are lost for eternity, to be burdened for lost souls, to weep for your own shortcomings. 
I'm never going to be sufficient for this. To weep for the state of the churches in our land. Broken vessels. And yet Paul says, even though I was with you in weakness, in fear and much trembling, my words weren't of my own wisdom or of human strength, but in demonstration of the spirits and of power. That's what we need. That's what you need. That's what I need. That's what the Apostle Paul needed. That's what the churches in Wales desperately need. In our brokenness, the spirit of power to come. Now then, I've got to finish. I've got to finish. This is why preaching isn't the most important task you're being called to. Do you know what the most important task is? Starts with a P. Praying. Praying. I want to finish with this quotation. I'm reading it to Howell, but I'm sure it will help all of us. We can't work these things up. We can't work up the power of God. We can't even work up prayer, can we? It is futile. It is empty to try to work people up into prayer. It just doesn't get results beyond a surge of enthusiasm that soon wears off. And isn't the evangelical world tired of one surge of enthusiasm after another? We are completely exhausted. I know of only one infallible way to get a church praying, to get a minister praying, and to keep it praying. And that's for the power of God to come down. How? We need to fail. We need to fail. We need to fail so badly and so obviously that we find out how much we really do trust ourselves rather than God. We need to be so shocked by the collapse of our methods. But what a blessing catastrophe brings us with all its misery and shame if it turns us back to God. Howell, that's what you need. To learn to fail. Coming to the end of your own resources so that you have to depend on Jesus Christ alone by his spirits. May God bless you. I consider it such a privilege to have been able to ordain you to this sacred office. And may God mightily use you in the years to come to preach Christ and him crucified and not to do that in your own strength but in your weakness to have to utterly depend on the power of the Holy Spirit for his name's sake. Now we're going to sing a hymn and then Howell is going to come up and he's going to administer the Lord's Supper to us. So the hymn is the one with the chorus, I think. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. This is a cross-centered hymn. So we'll stand and we can sing 
uh, from our hearts as well as uh, with our mouths. I'm not ashamed. See you.